everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Misaligned. This week I am on with Scotty Noonan of Fossil Youth. Hopefully I said your last name correctly there. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, Noonan's definitely like a weird one, so I think everyone kind of misses, mispronounces it, but you nailed it, so it's sick. Awesome. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I'll go to Starbucks or something and they're like, your name? And I'm always like, Deanna. And I still get Diana on my cup so many times. I'm just like, all right, whatever. I, I, I give up at this point, you know? So at least you have a nice, easy first name. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, Fossil Youth has a glimpse of self-joy coming out this November through Take This to Heart Records. And I kind of just want to start with this release and maybe work our way back before we kind of really dig into it. So how long did it take you guys to sort of work on this album from start to finish? Um, it was definitely an odd process. Uh, we, I'm gonna have to lightly backtrack just a bit. We had put out our last EP toward like a good two months straight. And then all of a sudden we kind of got picked up by a management group and they said, Hey, you know, we should maybe go ahead and start working on the album. Right. And from there, I think it was a solid year of just nonstop like prepping but I don't want to say that we spent the entire year nonstop writing because I think we try to make it a little more fluid and natural instead of just sitting down and just cranking out whatever happens. Nice. But all in all, definitely a year, like a really honest year to it. Yeah. And that 2015 EP intertwined with you, was that the band's first release or did you guys have some stuff before you were picked up by Take This to Heart? Um, We had a, we actually had a full-length CD that was kind of like, it was more of a demo than anything, like okay. as we uh, began Fossil Youth. But uh, before the EP intertwined with you, we had put out a uh, four-song split with this band called Wicker Wolves from Indiana, and it actually came out through Take the Start 2, but it only came out on CD, so oh, okay. the press was pretty minimal. Awesome. And working with Take This to Heart Records, how has that been for those three releases? Um, honestly, like, Coming into never working with the label before, we didn't know what to expect, but I think truly we would not be where we are if it wasn't for Joe Urban at Take a Start. He like works so insanely hard, and I'm not just saying that. Like He really, really cares about what he's doing, and I think he is one of the biggest factors in why we are where we are. Yeah, and I actually had him on the podcast when I sort of first started doing these guest episodes and it was cool to hear him talk about how you know with him working at a studio and everything as his day job it kind of really helps with running a label especially when the bands are you know in that area and can go there and record and it's like he has pretty much a little whole in-house thing going for him on both sides for recording and the business part of the label and I know you know he tries to get bands to a bigger platform as well. So whether that means, you know, like with you guys, you stay on and you're getting publicity and press on sites like New Noise Magazine and that sort of thing, or whether it's a band that kind of jumps to a slightly bigger label. I know he's really into giving it his all and kind of putting the band in the best position possible. And I think that's a really awesome thing to see with you know, a label run by a single person. Yeah, no doubt. Like, it's uh, it's crazy how much, like, effort he'll put in every little detail along the way, too. Like, I think being in as in contact as he is with the bands and individual members, like, makes all the difference. Yeah, and you guys have now three singles out for A Glimpse of Self-Joy. Of those three, 
why did you sort of choose them in that order? Um, the first single, Watercolor Daydream, was the easy first pick, just just because it's the first track of the album, and I think usually when you pick that for the first track, it is kind of the introductory mark for everything across the board. So we felt that using it first was great, and then sitting in a spinning room second, it is probably the most, without sounding cheesy, like the most important song on the album to me, right. and uh, the rest of the guys as well, and we felt like we really needed to show how dynamic the album can get, so kind of jump over to the more indie emo song, and uh, really like let it show how much we like put ourselves into this album. So uh, following that, uh, the new single that uh, just came out today is uh, Forest Eyes. And funny enough, like I was almost scared that that song wasn't going to make it into the album when we were tracking. But uh, I think ultimately it's become like one of my favorite just because it's the most fun and it's short and easy to listen to over and over. Yeah. And what has it been like having these singles premiere on sites like New Noise and Washed Up Emo with Sitting in a Spinning Room? Uh, honestly, really crazy. Like, it's, it's such a weird idea that, like, we're putting stuff out through these websites that we grew up, like, I don't want to say idolizing, but it, it's, I don't know, it's, it's also crazy nerve-wracking because it just makes you think, like, yo, like, do they really like these songs? How's this, like, do, is this affecting them at all? Like, I don't know, it's absolutely insane. Especially Washed Up Email. I never would have right. guessed that they were going to pick up Sitting. That was such a curveball to me. Because we've worked with Alt Press before. This is our first time working with Substream. But Washed Up Email, I felt like, was just going to be like, hey, these guys come from a more pop-punky past. This is this is weird. I don't think we can do it. Yeah, definitely. And how would you say your songwriting has sort of changed just from Intertwined With You to A Glimpse of Self-Joy? Has it changed a lot? I know it's, you know, only about a year in between the releases. So that's not, you know, a whole lot of time to kind of look at something like this. But do you think how well that EP was received sort of helped you guys get motivated to do a full length? I want to say that's like exactly what happened. It also, like I said, the demos we kind of put out before working with Joe were very blatantly just pop punk and in the essence of just simple pop punk. And as we started writing, I think it helped change because we, uh, we picked up a new guitar player. So that brought a lot of ideas. So with intertwined with you, it stayed gritty and yelly. And then we also picked up a new drummer. So coming to the full length, I think, there was just always like a, a new fresh mind to like really help out the little touches along the way. And I think from intertwined with you to a glimpse of self joy, we just knew that like we had to really figure ourselves out and not just as much as we love to be gritty and play harder stuff and to sound like what's a band we really liked at the time, Ivy league. Like we really wanted to sound like this band Ivy league. So we liked being loud, but as we started writing glimpses of self joy, we just knew like, yo, we really need to figure this out. Like, what what do we want to emphasize what do we want what do we want to be and um i think after writing just three tracks we just really started figuring out like hey we really like like the soft loud dynamic we really like being able to almost try to make people feel things how we felt them so i definitely i want to say the biggest and best part of writing the new record was having new minds and also from completely uh different what I want to, uh, influences. That's what I'm looking for. Right. And you guys will be doing at least a more of a West Coast tour once this album is out. And on the release day, you have a house show in 
Kansas, what made you go that route instead of doing, you know, a show in your hometown or in Oklahoma in general? Yeah, that was honestly a little bit of a curveball. Um, We really wanted to kind of, how how do I want to put it? We wanted to slow pace Oklahoma just a little bit because it's, it's our home and we have so many friends here that it's like, it would be super, super cool to kick the tour off that way. But we kind of really want to push ourselves elsewhere and be able to like try to make our mark. And that way, when we come home, we can finally put this like truly incredible release show together and uh, almost as like, like a congratulations of sorts, like to ourselves, like, yo, like we're working really, really hard elsewhere. And then Kansas is like such such a nice state like everyone there like truly cares about the music that's being played that comes through because just like oklahoma we're kind of one of those smaller markets that a lot of bands don't tour through right so i i think honestly having our release day there will be like a lot cooler than doing it in like california or like any other like major touring states right and i noticed with the dates you know you have a little bit of a combination of those bigger cities that you're hitting but for the most part it's you know the smaller almost suburb cities especially you know when you head down through washington and california you're not hitting you know seattle san francisco la instead you're hitting you know redding california and fullerton which is where i went to high school so i'll be seeing you guys there at that show oh that's awesome yeah and you know to me with program skate shop where you guys are playing in fullerton i almost wish that was there when I was in high school. I think it opened up right after I left because that place is such a cool local place to go, especially when you want to see these smaller touring bands. And it's like, it's like a house show vibe without, you know, being in a sweaty basement because in California, we don't have basements really because earthquakes are things here. (laughs) So, you know, Oh yeah, I never even considered that. We've actually never played a basement show in California. Yeah, it's because we don't cool. we don't really have basements or if you do it has to be like really really well done, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But yeah, because I went to school in Philadelphia, I became very you know, familiar with house shows and that sort of thing. And when I came back here, it's like that was almost something that's m- missing from the music scene here. You don't really have that same kind of closeness and that same kind of vibe at, of a house show, but when you get you know, a skate shop clearing the store floor and just packing kids in, you know, you kind of get that vibe again, even though, you know, you're not going into someone's house and down into a basement or what have you. It's still a similar feel. Yeah, it's crazy that you say that because I actually just had a conversation with uh, a buddy of mine from Wyoming and Colorado last Mm -hmm. week. And we're actually on the topic of how truly different like the East Coast and West Coast are for touring. Yeah, I never once considered how there just really aren't basement shows on the West coast. I like completely just missed that. Like how, even the last time we hit the East coast, it was just constant house shows, but I mean, it felt like the norm, but yeah, it's exactly like that West coast. It really is just venues and actual local businesses that'll clear space. Yeah. And especially when you know, you have cities like San Francisco and LA where you have a huge variety and size of venues, you know, in LA, you can find those little, you know, bars that will do shows or you know this there's this little room called amplify i think it's in like north hollywood area but it's like if you don't realize 
it's there, you'll have no idea shows are going on in that building. It's like, you know, next to a little burger joint or something. And you have to like go park down a residential street to get to it because there's literally like no parking lot. And, you know, you can find places here that kind of give off that same vibe, but it's still not quite the same. Yeah, I feel that. I was, I'm trying to, I feel like someone had just mentioned this spot to me. So I'm like trying to pin down in my head who mentioned it. Cause I feel like there, I heard there's actually a whole nother spot that's in like Hollywood, not, not Amplify, but actually a whole nother one that does is almost the exact same thing where, uh, while booking this tour, we were looking into spots that were closer to LA mm-hmm. and they mentioned all kind of like, I think like seven or eight spots, but they were saying it's like maybe not necessarily for our demographic or almost just hard to hit because of how little they are and how missable they are as well. Yeah. And I mean, program has done a great job with, you know, promoting shows in the local scene and everything. And typically with touring bands coming through, what they'll do is they'll put on some local acts and kind of sprinkle them into the lineup. They won't just put all the local acts on first. So then all their fans leave, you know, so (laughs) they'll, they'll mix it up. And, you know, I've noticed with some bands and, you know, I've seen Sundress there twice your label mates and yeah for sure you know they they can keep a pretty good crowd in there the entire time just because of the way the shop owner kind of lines it up and everything a few times though it'll get a little too much you know like i think one day there were like six or seven bands playing and i'm like all right can we oh yeah cut this down a little bit (laughs) you know yeah, funny enough, on the we were on a tour in August with this band called Bonfires, and I'm fairly certain I think it was the first three days straight each had nine bands. Wow! And yeah. Although I will say a couple of them were stacked. Like I was actually excited to see the bands because I'm kind of on the internet too much. <laughs> uh, but like, if I was just a normal showgoer, I feel like I really just would have been really bummed out. Like if like my buddies were playing last, that would have been the literal worst. Yeah, I went to a show and it was a seven band lineup and I was interviewing one of the bands and naturally they were on last. So it's like I interviewed them during the first band and still had, you know, five more bands to go before they were on. But luckily the venue is like a music shop or like a little music school during the day. So they had tables and chairs. So I was like, all right, okay, yeah, if I could sit, manager. we're cool. <laughs> you know. But when you get, you know, like six, seven band lineups, you're like, do I want to stand for four hours straight in the same spot? You know? Oh yeah, no doubt. And sometimes you even luck out and one of the bands will do like a 45, 50 minute set. And that is just the greatest. Yeah. And you know, with this tour, do you think you guys pick, you know, the right size venues and everything for the amount of, you know, success you're having so far just with the singles? For sure. Success is such like a weird word, like while we're at it. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm definitely happy with where we are at a band, but it's like, I don't know. Success is such an odd word. But like, I think booking this tour went fantastic. Like, we've been touring for a solid like three years now. So it's kind of like we knew who we wanted to hit up and who could like help set up the show exactly in the way that we'd want it to go. Um, I honestly think we're still doing quite a few house shows, but that's never really been like something that's bothered us as like trivial as that may sound like it's crazy how sometimes like we'll meet a band who's just act absolutely frustrated that they're playing a house show. And that blows my mind. 
Yeah, and I mean, in Philly, some of the houses, because, you know, they were skinny houses, but they were fairly long because, you know, they they have a lot of older buildings there. Yeah, we actually put a house show in Philly. It was exactly like that, like really thin, but really, really long. Yeah, and it's like in some of my friends' basements, they would, you know, do their own shows because I went to Drexel for music industry. So it's like the music industry kids who were in those houses were the ones who put on a lot of the shows. And sometimes you could get 50 to 100 people coming through a house show. Whether or not they stay the whole time, that doesn't really matter because you're still getting the money up front at the door. Yeah, true. So, And it's like you can kind of just have this these rotating people you know coming and going for the show and the hard part is keeping most of the people downstairs so the cops don't come (laughs) oh yeah no doubt Uh, the cops showed up to hours like as it ended it was the greatest thing yeah that it worked out that way yeah and i mean like i said it's totally different when you have a house show and even i think at program the cops have showed up a few times just because there have been a lot of people just hanging out outside in the parking lot, yeah. you know? So know. You, they try to keep everyone inside as much as possible, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to hit that, hear, uh, excuse me, hit that spot. I've been hearing about program for at least two years now and how great yeah. those shows can be. The closest I think we've been to there ourselves would be La Puente, maybe? Okay. And uh, that was at Bridgetown DIY, and that place was so cool. Yeah, and that's, you know, with California, it's like something will seem close, but in reality, it's like yeah, not no, even no, I'm close. About it. I think that's actually like an hour away after, uh, after I started saying it. Yeah, prob- probably. It sounds about right. But, you know, it's the same with just L.A. and Orange County in general. It's like you can play L.A. one night and play Anaheim or something the next night and get a totally different crowd because there are lazy people like me who live in Orange County and don't want to drive to LA during the week for shows because you'll get stuck in rush hour traffic on the way there, you know? Yeah, I feel that. Like, I don't know if it's like the Oklahoma in me and the fact that like, I'm just so used to cut and dry, like, hey, I can go here or go here for a show. Right. But like, I uh, I didn't realize too that while booking in California, how many of, uh, how many promoters like, instead of saying city, they say counties. Yeah. I would just get <laughs> yeah. so lost. I was just like, yo, where, where uh, what's Bay Area? Like, where exactly is that? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, just between LA and Orange County, it's like you have so many different cities and venues that you can hit up within those two. Because technically, you know, Long Beach is an LA county, but a lot of people don't really think of it as LA because it's, you know totally different and it gets really confusing around here when you actually consider LA County literally and how big that alone is and the the same with Orange County like I can drive for 45 minutes or something and still be in Orange County you know so that's sick. it really depends on you know what kind of venue you're looking for and where you think you'll be able to attract the most amount of people and Obviously, in Orange County, there are fewer shows that you'd be competing with compared to L.A., where, you know, it's like every 10 feet there's a venue in Hollywood or something. Yeah, for sure. But to kind of go back to A Glimpse of Self-Joy briefly, you guys decided to do bundles for this release, and you're releasing it on vinyl, CD, cassette, and digitally. So what kind of went through your head when you realized you were going to have four different mediums that people can get your album? 
uh literally uh we just said like yo let's get crazy like let like because we we've never done cassette and then like yeah. our last release was vinyl cd digital but at the same time it wasn't like 12 inch so it was like right. a lot cheaper so i definitely i feel like it was just one of those things where we felt like we were at a point where hey yo, if we can rack up the money let's just let's just go all out let's just do it and like for like we're doing banners as well like wall flags right and that is such a crazy amount of money just to do like i had no idea i thought it was going to be you know maybe a good 300 400 dollars and then as i found out the minimum was like a little over a thousand dollars i just kind of like gasped yeah really unsure if we actually wanted to do it but then again like having the past year to write the album and then also uh not tour as crazy as that was since we didn't tour most of the time while writing the album we had all this time to save money and that kind of helped be able to do all of these little uh cool things for the release and have these amenity items like flags yeah and you know with take this to heart like we mentioned it's pretty much only joe who runs it and works on it and you know i'm in a similar situation although i think joe has had you know much better luck getting great bands to work with than i have so far and i've really like the artists that I've worked with. It's just, you know, sometimes things don't work out. And what I have to try and tell bands when I'm looking for new bands to sign is like, okay, hey, I don't have, you know, thousands upon thousands of dollars to have you guys go record, but here's what I'll do. And, you know, I'm only going to take this percentage, which typically is well under 50% because, you know, I'm aware that I'm not paying for the band to do the majority of these things. I'm more so just offering, you know, digital services and what have you. And I think for some bands, that's sort of a hard concept to grasp just because they're like, oh, hey, a label has contacted us. They must have, you know, all this money to do all of this. And, you know, right now, all I'm doing is a handful of freelance jobs when I can get them. So it's like, Right now, I really don't have the money to be spending, you know, thousands of dollars on bands. And I do need to start looking for more bands to work with, though, because right now I think I have like a single artist, you know, and it's like, you know, I always ask Joe questions. I'm like, so how do you get bands to do this? How do you get them to not want you to pay for everything, you know? And no, yeah, it's like, as I learned about label stuff too, I, before Joe, there was actually like another label we considered signing with. And it sucks. Cause I actually went through that exact motion where like, I don't want to say we expected the world, but we were like baffled. Like, Oh, like it's actually like this, like strenuous on right. to be able to do these things. That's crazy. Like, because when you like, it's exactly as you said, when, especially for a young band, when you hear a label, you just expect like everything, like yeah. literally everything on the entire planet. But also I think another thing to be fair, uh, like in response to your label and stuff, uh, Joe is also kind of a madman. Because <laughs> yeah. I actually have this talk with him sometimes. I'm just like, yo, I know you've been doing it for a while, but like, how in the world are you funding this? Like, how exactly are you able to pull this off and keep putting out this many vinyl releases? Because I'm, I'm trying not to toot his horn too hard, but it's like, honestly, for a, a label as small as his is, he is pulling off vinyl releases really, really well. Yeah, and I haven't even done any vinyl releases through my label. I've just done a single CD release, and long story short, it did not go well at all. So, you know, I have like well over 100 CDs just sitting on the floor in my room. In a box, at yeah, least. Yeah, that's so, such a bummer. You know, and 
that has already kind of deterred me from wanting to do physical releases with bands because while certain bands can sell vinyl very well and CDs very well, it's like the bands I've been working with so far don't want to tour to the extent that like you guys or Sundressed has. And so without bands touring, it's really hard to justify paying for physical releases for them. Yeah, no doubt. Like that's that's honestly such a big deal. As like I don't I don't want to say like I'm like working like too closely with Joe, but it's like I, I spend a whole lot of time out of my day like plotting stuff out with him and even like chipping in my word a little bit on like things he's doing and I think it's it's crazy how many little factors you really do have to consider for the idea of doing vinyl for a band. Like it really right. does come down to like obviously like what matters most are the songs. Like if the stuff's really good, it's like really hard to turn down. But at the same time, it also comes to like, what is this band's work ethic like? Like, yeah. are they actually willing to push that much? Are they willing to tour? Do they have the means to tour? Because I do see a couple of bands that like, I'll admit, are insane. I don't want to say names because I'm like almost going a negative route with it. But it's cool. <laughs> these some bands will get these crazy like labels and deals, and then you just find that they don't tour, and it's just like, you know, where did this come from? Like, how exactly did this come about for you? Yeah, and as a big fan of music too it's like those certain situations are almost annoying for the fans because it's like you get this great music from them but it's like you're never going to see this band live because there's oh, yeah, no, no way they're ever going to come your way and i mean you know being in california at least you know here we already have a ton of local bands that we can focus on and sort of see basically whenever we want because be like i said between la and orange county you have so many different venues that you don't even have to keep playing the same places every time yeah no doubt. i envy that so hard as like an oklahoman like oklahoman i've never said i've never <laughs> called myself an oklahoman that was so crazy i felt like i was 35 but anyway <laughs> it's like the closest venue to us we and fossil youth say we're from oklahoma city just to make things easy but right. really we're from enid and that's we're actually like closer to wichita kansas so okay. to play a home venue, we have to drive an hour and a half. And then the other major spot that we could call home as well as a venue in Tulsa, and it's two hours away. Yeah. So whenever, whenever I hear of, like, shows on the East Coast or the West Coast where you can do that and just end up in a totally dem uh, different demographic 45 minutes away, I'm just like, yo, that is so sick. Like, that is crazy how y'all can do a one-week tour and maybe drive, like, four hours. <laughs> yeah, basically. And, you the know. dream. A, a lot of bands here, too, they'll just do, like, a weekend thing, and they'll go up the coast and just come back. And, you know, with bands here, that's something that works, because while a band might be really popular in L.A. or Orange County, they can then just spend a weekend, go up to San Francisco, hit, you know, San Jose or something in between, and come back and just kind of do these little weekend warrior tours just in California. And, you know, I know some bands will hit nevada and arizona too because those are close enough in southern california to kind of just go out there for a weekend and come back yeah and that's so dope i feel like what's a i think dallas texas is still like five hours from us yeah and then like what, what's another halfway decent uh lawrence kansas i feel like is an, an one i hear of like major tours hitting i think that's still like five hours so it's like almost to the point where weekenders for us are like a little strenuous and that's why yeah. like, as a band actually i think we've only we've only done like two two weekenders 
just because in the end we're like, hey, if we're going to do this much driving, put this much money into it, it'd be nice if we just went ahead and at least did a week or something like that. Yeah. And then on the East Coast, you know, it's even crazier because you can hit, you know, three different, three to four different states in the same time it would take you to drive from Southern California to Northern California. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. The, you know, the tour we did with Bonfires in August, I, I was spoiled. Like, we all of us were spoiled. It was crazy. Like, I feel like, what was one of the craziest things? I feel like maybe there's like a Pennsylvania date to a New Jersey date to a Maryland date. And I think we drove like an hour 45 across three days. Yeah. Like, that was insane. That was so cool. I mean, I, and now it's, it's a total curveball now that we're going west because I think the first four drives of the tour are like seven hours. So it's like we're about to accumulate all of the August tours driving in like four or five days. Right. And, you know, it's crazy how close everything is in the Northeast and everything. And then as you come out here, it's just like everything is so much further away, especially, you know, like you mentioned, when you hit the Midwest in those towns that most bands won't even pass through the majority of the time unless there are these huge bands that will go play, you know, every arena or what have you in those states. Yeah. And I don't I don't want to say like Oklahoma gets gets hit the least. Right. I mean, for example, like we've never been to like North Dakota or South Dakota. I, I definitely don't see those on tour flyers. Or Montana. But I feel like, like I feel like I rarely Montana. ever see Montana yeah. in anything. Uh, Idaho is a really hard one too, surprisingly. Yeah. We try to hit Idaho all the time and it just never works out. But uh, to escape that tangent, um, it's uh, it's always super frustrating to see really big bands that'll uh, they'll get so close to Oklahoma, but they usually don't hit it. Like uh, right. they're they'll usually just pass through Texas and just go across the entire South or maybe they'll be up in Chicago and, uh, well, excuse me, Illinois and Iowa. And then they'll maybe dip into Kansas as we're just dead center like of the United States, just kind of sitting there hoping they just happen to break down in our state and want to play a show or something <laughs> like, yeah, it's crazy how that happens. Yeah. And what do you think you're looking forward to most once this album is finally out? It it stinks because it's like my response is going to sound so cliche, <laughs> but it's like we've been a band long enough now and early. I'm, I'm going to put it from my own perspective. I'm going to take that band out of it for a second, especially. Um, I've been playing shows since I was like 14 and okay. I'm now 22. Now, I as cliche as it sounds, I feel like everything I've ever wanted since I was 15 has already been achieved. So it's like not to say I don't have like dream scenarios of like cool things that could happen, but it's like. I genuinely feel like the sky's the limit from here. Like I, I always wanted to sign to a label, whether small or big, what have you. And take start did that. We wanted to put out vinyl. We put out vinyl. Uh, I definitely, as I was 16 and watching relentless yellow card music videos, just wanted to tour. And now we're touring super consistently. So I feel like from here, I think a really big one is across seas. Like we're, I don't want to say we're like for sure doing it, but we're looking into a UK Europe run next nice. year. Nice. And I think that's just, I don't want to say it's the biggest goal, but it's like definitely up there. I don't know. I, I'm super into the idea of like seeing another culture. I feel like Europe or UK would be like a little better than Japan just right. because it, I just feel like it's a little warmer. Like, like Europe and the United States are a little warmer to each other than Japan would be. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned, putting out vinyl being one of your goals so what i want to know is which of the three variants that you have for this record is your favorite 
Oh, it's the rare one. <laughs> and that's like kind of I think why it ended up that way is like it's the black with the red center. As yes. like simple as it is, like okay, tricolor's cool because there's a lot of colors. Right. But uh translucent orange, cool. We've never done a, a translucent color. And uh in terms of quality, the translucent orange should play the best. But uh, the black and red center, I think I just like it so much because it matches the color scheme. It just really just fits the package. So I'm just like, yes, this is like so aesthetically pleasing. So I, I ended up being my favorite. Yeah, Joe convinced me to get that one. I pre-ordered it. So, you know, and I don't mind because, you know, it's funny. My high school, the colors were red, white, and black. And before I went to that high school, I ended up painting two of the walls in my room red. So it's like I have a red and white room here. My high school colors were red, white, and black, so I still have a ton of, you know, like, basketball jackets and shirts and what have you that are Oh, yeah, so that literally color you can scheme. almost just wear this. Yeah, so I was like, well, this fits with my life, so yeah, <laughs> red and go. black it is. That, I don't know, it's it's also so crazy, I don't know, this album's like, I'm trying not to get, like, super mushy, like, not, not that I'm really, like, getting there yet, but it's like, I try my best to not sound like a total dork with, like, how excited I am about things, but, like... Uh, this album's like doing way crazier than we would have ever anticipated. Not that it's like selling out and like we're going to blow up or like something silly, but it's just like, it's crazy to actually see growth. Right. Because it's like all the time, like it's it's easy to get excited and be like, yo, this is happening. Kids are commenting, kids are doing stuff. But then it's like when we announced this album and started seeing like immediately we're getting like albums, uh, uh, like final sales in other countries and like things were just immediately happening. It's like, the most insane feeling and it's it's not even on the same scale as like some bands that like i look up to but it's still just like it kind of goes back to what i was saying earlier just i feel like i've already done everything i've ever wanted to so from here on out it's just excitement yeah and with your tour it's only spanning you know most of november there do you guys mm -hmm. plan on taking a little break for the holidays and everything kind of just recoup from working on this album so long and then going out on tour right away after it's released and then next year you'll kind of pick back up with either hopefully that uk tour that you mentioned and you know mm -hmm. more writing and progressing yeah next year is going to be like terrifying i think like <laughs> it's probably going to be like the most we've ever toured before and i say terrifying just because it's it touring something i always want to do but it's like after a while it really does actually like become taxing on you right so i feel like halfway through the year i'm just gonna start rethinking my whole life <laughs> is this really what i want to be doing right now but um yeah the game plans to do the west coast in november and i think december we're still uh kind of grinding on getting a new van because i i don't know if you heard but our last tour our van actually broke down right and yeah. we we didn't post about it but the trailer actually got messed up too we just didn't want to sound completely foolish because uh, we didn't find out the trailer was busted until they tried to tow it. Oh, And it wow. turns out for uh, maybe upwards of three days, we just didn't have the cap on our spindle. Some I I'm so bad at cars. Long story <laughs> short, the tire should have came clean off while we were driving. And it probably should have been for like three days. Right. So um, that being said, we, uh, we're going to do this run. We can't even bring our merch uh, guy with us to help out just because we're so tight on funds and then we're just gonna take december off and then just prep for literally everything in january and 2017 nice well it's probably going to be a much deserved and much needed break you know with everything you guys have had going on this entire year 
I'm so stressed. <laughs> it's a good stress, though. I love being stressed, like, as silly as that sounds. Yeah, well, that covers everything I wanted to ask you about this new release so far. But before we go, I do want to, you know, see what you've been listening to. If you've had the time, have you been listening to any of these new albums that have come out recently? And I know October is stacked with releases. Yeah, it's, uh, I feel bad because I'm probably going to like forget one along the way, especially because there's a lot of friends who put stuff out. Chase, I think his last name is Hugelin. Do you know how to say Chase's last name? I, I think that is correct. <laughs> I've met him twice, but I've never been like, you know, like, hey, I'm Scotty Noonan. And like, right, for right. Him to say his last name, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So his new album is honestly really, really cool. I think it's hard for me to find like an acoustic artist that stands out as like, not, not that that sounds rude, but it's just like, it's, it's a lot harder. Like it truly is a lot harder to be captivating as like one person with an acoustic. Right. But uh, I actually really, really do like his full length because I've known him for like just from the internet since like the beginning of this band and uh, to see his growth alone is super, super cool. Uh, Microwave, much love. That album has me stoked. Like that album is so sick. I've been like buddies with them for a while too. And same thing, like seeing their growth is insane. Yeah. I like how they kind of chilled out, and it almost feels like Southern Rocky in a couple songs. I think that's so sick. Yeah, uh, that's definitely a great one. What else came out? I'm so bad at new releases. I feel like I'm still catching up on stuff from last year. <laughs> yeah, I know Taking Back so Sunday Taking Back Sunday had their album come out recently against Straight me. Straight up, I forgot. I totally forgot. Yeah. That's such a bummer. I need to do that. Taking Back Sunday is such a big deal. Even if it's, like, way after the peak albums <laughs> i'm sure they're still writing dope stuff i just haven't checked it out yeah and on friday yellow card just released their last album that's it too i just mentioned them like 15 minutes ago and I still <laughs> listen to that. yeah and i know you know this friday we have green day some 41 balancing composure and i think there's even a dance gavin dance album coming out so it's like i gotta check that out I we have so many dance. so many big bands and even some of the smaller bands in the scene putting out albums this year that it's so hard to keep up with i've been like making a list of ones i s still need to go back and listen to yeah same actually especially you know mainstream stuff and because i listen to so many different genres including country it's like typically the country stuff gets put on hold until i just get through everything else because you know i feel that my mom will listen to country radio and she'll just be like do you did you hear the new song i'm like no i i did not i don't listen to the radio and <laughs> so funny. then like i kind of keep up through her and then i'll go like listen to something <laughs> when she tells me about it yeah i feel like living in like oklahoma country is like such a big deal so yeah. it's like there's just no escaping it <laughs> but i feel like the only the only person i like really keep up with is casey musgraves I yeah love her so much that stuff's so good Pageant material, maybe coming for me, that's like crazy, but that album was sick. I loved it so much. Yeah, I have it on vinyl, so I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. No, I, uh, I'm i trying to remember. I think my sister was actually going to get it for my birthday and ended up uh, getting me something else. But like that, uh, I had no idea it was even out on vinyl. Like That's so cool. I think I have that one on vinyl. It's either that one or the previous album, but either way, I'm fine with that. And, you know... She actually just announced a Christmas tour. I don't know if she's coming through Oklahoma, so you'll have to check on that. <laughs> Does she really? I'm such a, I'm so bad at Instagram. Like, not like, not how you may think. I'm a kind of like a ghost liker. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I'll just like, if, I, if it's someone I know and I think they're dope, I'll just like the picture. So like, I bet I liked the post about that tour. And <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, she might just be doing Christmas songs, but it's Casey Musgraves, so. 
No, yeah, that's so cool. Yep, there it is. I totally didn't like that. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of crazy how many people I've talked to just from this podcast alone and how varied the music tastes can be. And personally, because I like so many different things, it's fun to, you know, get to talk to people that like a lot of different things, you know, not everyone I've talked to just likes, you know, pop punk bands and what have you. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I think that's like what's kind of cool about our band is like uh, our guitar player does not listen to like anything in our demographic, like whether like local bands or uh, or even like larger. Like I feel like if we weren't playing them in the van, he would have never listened to these bands. Yeah. <laughs> and like not 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 like such a way that he like wouldn't give them a chance, but it's just like that's not where his interest goes. Right. So like uh, I'll find myself like when I'm driving, maybe. I'll be listening to like lately it's been like a uh, microwave Stovall or like the American scene or something. And then he'll like get him in the car and like, it just goes immediately to like trap music. <laughs> and then like, you'll go, it'll be our drummer in the seat and uh, he'll go from like Kanye West to Bruce, Spring- Bruce Springsteen. And then a lot of seventies music, eighties music. Yeah. That guy's fantastic too. But we're, we're definitely a curveball as a band. Yeah. That's awesome. That just within your band, you have so many, different tastes and everything and I think you know it's always nice to also hear a different perspective on the same bands and same albums that you enjoy so that's another thing that's been really cool about talking to so many different people through this podcast because you know I've had quite a few people involved in you know the pop punk scene and whatnot and then I had one of the guys on from Ilphonics, which they're, you know, like a St. Louis area band. And mm-hmm. they're definitely more of a rap group, but they put a spin on it. So it's not like you're strictly listening to Jay-Z or Kanye West or what have you. It's Yeah, more, for sure. You know, it's kind of like, I don't know if you're familiar with Bad Rabbits. I've seen the name but like a lot, actually. Yeah, it's I've more upbeat like their stuff. But yeah, you should definitely check out Bad Rabbits. They're awesome. <laughs> Another cool thing about me is I always have office supplies around, so that means I can take notes on that. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to keep like a pad of paper next to me in case, you know, whoever I'm talking to mentions something that I want to check out later. But luckily, I edit the podcast too, so, you know, I can always... Oh, yeah, no later. doubt. You just go check for it. Yeah, yeah, I have like, let's see, a notepad. I have three Pilot G2 pens. I have a whole cup of Sharpies and Fine Points. I got seven sticky notepads. I'm the I'm a walking staples. Yeah, I have so many pens. It's ridiculous. I have quite a few of the Pilot G2 pens as well. And then I have some Uniball 207, 307. Yeah, the micro ones are fantastic. Yeah, there it is. And, you know, I have like, I don't even have a cup holder. I literally have a little Batman bucket full of pens on my desk. I have a Stormtrooper bucket. So nice. There you go. We're in the same boat here. Awesome. Well, thanks, Scotty, so much for coming on the podcast. It's definitely been really fun talking to you. And again, A Glimpse of Self-Joy will be out on November 4th on Take This to Heart Records. You can get digital copy, CD, cassette, vinyl, whatever you prefer. They have it all unless, you know, you want eight tracks or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you with that. But figure it out. <laughs> you can, You can just pretend the cassette is an eight track. You could do that, actually. They're converters, I'm fairly certain. Yeah, probably. 
Awesome. Well, yeah, but, uh, thank you so much for having me. Like, no this is problem. Really, really cool for my first podcast. Yes. Thank you for allowing Miss Align to be your first podcast. And, you know, to our listeners, as always, thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.